Well, great to see everyone today. Welcome to Redeemer Church, and we just want to extend a very special thank you to everyone who participated in our serve day yesterday here at Eagle High School as we spent some time beautifying the campus. I think we had about 50 or 60 individuals, and the great news is that we made it out unscathed, meaning that there was no injuries as a result of all the man and woman power that we had yesterday except one. We had one guy because we were... Oh, and he's here today, yes. Um, One guy, he uh, decided to challenge a 10-year-old to a 100-yard sprint on the track. Because why wouldn't you do that? Because he was kind of a big deal back in the day, you know. But here's the thing. The kid was 10 years old, and he's 50. And so, and, well, what happened? He pulled a hammy. He pulled a hammy. And, uh... And, and that was the only casualty that we had today, and I was just joking around at first service. He didn't know I was going to say that, but he does now. So, um, but, so it was great, though. We had a wonderful day. Travis is going to talk a little bit more about that uh, next week. And, uh, but what an amazing thing to celebrate. We had a total of eight baptisms today, and, so, and that's, I think, a, a total of 16 in the short life of our church, and that's just something that we get so excited about. Why? Uh, because it represents a life in Christ, and that's really what we're here for today. And so, to be able to see these individuals take that step of faith, it is truly an encouragement for the church. It's an outward proclamation, a declaration of an inward decision that we've made in Christ. Just as Travis said, but remember who coined that phrase? It was St. Augustine when he said, An outward and visible sign of an inward and visible grace that we have received. And so why do I share that? Because it is indeed one of two ordinances that we participate in as a church collectively, baptism and communion. And that's important because uh, this is one of the byproducts of the Protestant Reformation when the reformers wanted to adhere to sola scriptura in scripture alone and leaning into one of the two ordinances, those two things that were ordained by Jesus And specifically, uh, that's what they're looking at. And so that's why we celebrate baptism and communion together as a church. And now why is that important? Because there are hundreds of different denominations in Christendom, correct? And so with 100 plus different denominations, there's actually much more than that. There are uh, many different interpretations of Scripture. And so uh, where's one to go? Uh, Where is one to go? Because it's really hard to navigate. How do I have all of my boxes checked when it comes to church? Because this is where I'm going to spend my time at. This is where I'm going to, you know, uh, attend as a family. So it's important that we kind of land on the same page on many things. But that could be difficult, correct? And so oftentimes what we do and how we look and approach church is that uh, we church shop, right? And so if things aren't really in alignment, we might church Hop. And, and that's okay. Why? Because the majority of you wouldn't be here if we didn't church hop, right? So it's okay. But then really the, the negative aspect is, well, what happens maybe when things go in a poor direction? And then what we see is oftentimes people church drop. And that's what we don't want, okay? Because we want everyone to be plugged into a church uh, as long as it's a Bible-believing and faith-affirming church. And so, so those are areas where we often see, but, but we have to open it up to questions. Where does Redeemer Church land on specific areas? That's why we have our membership class. And at week three, we open it up to any question about anything. And that just goes uh, for saying for 
anything at, at any time. If you ever have a question about where Redeemer stands on things, we're not trying to hide things or not trying to, you know, pull a rug over anyone's eyes or anything along those lines. It's always open and available where we stand on any topic. So just feel free. I just can't wait for my inbox tomorrow morning. So, but... <clears throat> How is one to tackle all of these topics? I mean, we have doctrines, we have distinctives. Our, you know, is our church more traditional or are we more contemporary or experiential? Or what type of music do we sing? Are we going to be singing contemporary or, or hymns? Drums or no drums? Uh, you know, big question. Is Redeemer, or is Redeemer Church going to have spinning lights? Okay, so uh, sorry to disappoint, but the answer to that question is no. Okay, so... Free will, predestination, tongues and prophecies, or cessationism. What do we wear to church? I mean, are we supposed to dial up the Hawaiian shirts and jeans? I made that joke for a service. A little kid came up to me in a Hawaiian shirt and jeans, okay? Or do we wear a suit coat once in a while? I did that on Easter a few weeks ago. High church, low church. Church membership or just come and go as you please. Grape juice or wine. So for those of you that we've grown up on grape juice, when we attend a church where it's wine, we're like, whoa, hello, right? You know, so... Uh, small groups or Sunday school. Uh, how is the church uh, to step into the political sphere? Sphere. How much is the church to step into the political sphere? How much are we loving the least of these and really focusing on outreach? So these are great questions. But I think we could all agree on this fact, right? Aren't we so glad COVID is over, right? Amen. <laughs> and so, but with all these things. Uh, we have freedom and liberty to address various interpretations of scripture. And so some things we're going to hold fast to, kind of like with a closed fist, right? And some things it's going to be pretty open to interpretation because the Bible might speak into both sides of the equation. But we always have to start, finish, arrive, and be at one place. And that has to be scripture. We always have to go back to what does the word of God have to say on this specific topic. Never using one verse to speak into a topic, but really looking at the totality of Scripture and allowing that to speak into where we would land. And that's very important. Martin Luther states this, we are dealing with God's thoughts. We are dealing with God's thoughts. So we are obligated to take the greatest pains to understand them truly and to explain them clearly. To understand them truly and to explain them Clearly, And that's really where we're going to today. Because oftentimes what we see in today's society and culture, it's not about what God's word has to say. It's more about what I think, what I feel, what society and culture is imparting on there, or, or what sounds good. And, and so that's what we see of a lot in this day and age, falling down the slippery slope of drifting away from biblical truth, and really leaning hard into what we would call church pragmatism, which is not necessarily bad all the time, but sometimes church pragmatism essentially just means that, you know, we're going to do things a certain way uh, for a results-orientated approach. And that's really going to have our focus on that and just shifting away and, and disregarding maybe what God's word has to say on the topic. And so, so like I said, not all bad, but sometimes it could go to a, a poor place. But it has been on the heart of Travis and I since Redeemer Church was planted to establish and grow the leadership of the church. What does that mean and what does that look like? And so, but when we were sermon planning, we arrived at uh, 1 Peter 5, and lo and behold, uh, what a great place to say there it was because we were talking about how elders are to shepherd the flock. And, and so that was just the Lord uh, designating that. And so what a great day to teach through what God's word has to say on the topic of elders 
and deacons. And so, so now with throwing that out there, I may have just opened up a can of worms for some. And, and I was just thinking when I was writing this, like, isn't that the grossest, you know, metaphor that you've ever heard? Like, why would you even talk about a can of, I don't know if it's a fishing thing. And then someone texted me something after first service. So I haven't yet to open it up. But sorry about that. Why do I say opening up a can of worms? Well, because you could essentially go to 10 different churches' websites and see 10 different ways in which they do church leadership, correct? And so we have so many things out there. We have pastors, we have elders, we have bishops, we have deacons, we have directors, we have ministers, we have managers, we have administrators, we have assistants, we have leaders, we have volunteers, we have coordinators. I mean, the list is actually exhausting. And so where are we to land with all of that? Where is Redeemer Church going to land with all of that. And so even so, you have one movement that many, maybe some of you have heard of. It's called the New Apostolic Reformation. And so they would ascribe the fact that the office of apostle and prophet are still and should be alive and well in today's church going off of Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And now just a quick tangent on that. So this title and office of apostle, well, that ended with the apostleship. Those that were with Jesus, those that walked with Jesus, those who had witnessed the resurrected Jesus, those were deemed the apostles. So the last one that was appointed was Paul. The last one that lived was John. And so also with this office of prophet, we say, oh, are they a modern day prophet? And I would say this, it would be good to look at uh, Hebrews 1.1 where the writer of Hebrews tells us long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So what is the necessity of a modern day prophet? Because Old Testament prophets were studying and inquiring the coming of Jesus Christ. And so, so are modern day prophets supposed to be directing us towards the second coming of Jesus Christ? Because what does the New Testament tell us? That no one knows the day or the hour, not angels nor not even the Son of Man. And so if there are individuals out there that are foretelling what is to come in the future, well, you could maybe even say that they're fortune telling and that is not something that we would probably ascribe to. So just a little side tangent on that, the New Apostolic Reformation. But when we look to God's word, we see two biblical offices of church leadership. And so, and that are those of elders and deacons. And so if you notice with your handout today, there aren't any fill-ins because we're going to be going through and plowing through a great deal of information and reading through a whole lot of scripture. And so just feel free, you got an open slate. Uh, so, but first of all, we're going to start with our passage today. Uh, and that's 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. So it states this, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherds appear, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer as we talk about this very important topic. Lord, we thank you that uh, we have your word. 
God, there is uh, nowhere else to go when we talk about some of these matters. As you tell us in 2 Peter 1.3, that you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Uh, so Lord, as we uh, talk through this topic of church leadership, uh, allow your, your word to reveal uh, what it is and where we are to go as far as how Redeemer Church continues and progresses. Uh, Lord, we love you and we know how much you love your church, the bride of Christ. So we don't want to be fickle about these matters, Lord, but we want to lean in and uh, through your spirit uh, so that we could um, discern what you would have for us. We ask these things in your name, amen. So we could see from this passage that Peter indeed takes this role of elder seriously because he uses the word exhort. And this word exhort means to strongly encourage or to give a warning or to incite some type of perspective. And so other versions use the word urge or appeal. And so he is validating his apostolic authority here because he is saying that he witnessed the sufferings of Christ. And so many would look to that as uh, apostolic validation, meaning that he was present at the time leading up to Jesus's crucifixion. And so he's saying as a fellow elder, he's wanting to tell the church on what an elder is and uh, what is the role of an elder. So essentially a what and a how. And that's really where we're going today. What is the role of an elder and how are they to lead as well as what that role is for a deacon. Now, typically we try to exegete our passage as, as thoroughly as possible, but today we're actually using this passage to open up a few other passages today as we look to elder qualifications. And so, so that's um, what we're going to be covering. I remember when I was asked to be an elder at our uh, church in Illinois, I was in my 30s, which many would say is young to maybe have that, and, and including my mother, because when I told my mom about it, she's like, oh, Jonathan, that's so silly. Don't you know what the word elder means? It means you have to be old, okay? So, so she was kind of a little disappointed, I guess, in that, but, but not necessarily. As we can see, 1 Timothy 4.12, where Paul exhorts Timothy, who was a pastor elder, he stated, let no one despise you for your youth. But this word presbus. Uh, actually means first comer, one who goes before, or one of age, okay? And so I think we could all agree, all of us that have some years under our belt, uh, that, uh, man, I'm so glad I know the things now that I didn't know 10, 20, even 30 years ago, correct? And so I, maybe I'd like to go back to some of the physicality of those years, but definitely not the cognition. So, But this word elder, as we see, is very important, okay, because we see it 57 times in the New Testament when referring to this office. And the Greek is presbuteros, presbuteros. And so throughout the New Testament, there are three specific words that all point to this same office. And so we see elder, presbuteros, and then we see episkopos, uh, which refers to this word overseer. And so that's what it is in Greek. And then we see a, a third and final word, poimain, or the verb poimaino, okay? And so that is referred to as pastor or shepherd, okay? And so we have these three terms that we th see throughout scripture when referring to this specific office, okay? And so that's important. So first, let's look at this word elder. 
Anytime Paul uses this term in the book, uh, I'm sorry, anytime Luke uses this word in the book of Acts, um, so we could look to verse 1130, and then we could also look to Acts, uh, 14, or Acts 15, 2 and 2017, where Barnabas and Saul were before the elders of the new church, the New Testament church that was led by James. We could also see that in uh, Acts um, 1423, that they are to choose elders in every church. And we also could see in Titus 1.5 that Titus um, is charged by Paul to appoint elders in every city. And so, and then James 5.14, the elders of the church, presbuteros, are to pray for the sick of the church. So it is used predominantly as we see to describe this office, this word. And we see another word, and that word is uh, called overseer in the English, but in the Greek that is episkopos. And so, now, the King James in English, that word for overseer is also bishop. And so we would see this word, uh, overseer and bishop, in the English to be used synonymously. Okay, so, so now, from these two words, uh, presbyteros and episcopos, we would obviously arrive at the two denominations of Presbyterian and Episcopalian, respectively. So, so in review again, presbuteros as elder, episkopos as overseer slash bishop. And so we see this word overseer, bishop, in two places. And these are the two places in which Paul talks about the elder qualifications. And so we see this in 1 Timothy 3.2 and Titus 1.7. We also see it in Acts 20.28 20, where it states the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, episkopos. We see that there. We also see it in Philippians 1.1 when Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, the elders and the deacons. And then finally, and this is very important as well, in Titus 1.5 and 1.7, episkopos and presbuteros are used interchangeably in verses 1.5 and 1.7. So, and then thirdly and finally, we see the word Pastor used once in scripture, and that's in the passage that we referred to earlier, um, Ephesians 4.11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, that is also pastor, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So again, in the ESV, we see the word shepherd, but many other versions, the Greek poimen or poimino uh, for shepherd is actually translated as pastor. And so that would be the only place we see pastor in the New Testament. So, so again, in summary, I know it's going through a lot of material, but in summary, we would look at these three terms, elder, overseer, bishop, and pastor, uh, presbuteros, episkopos, and poimen, we would look at those three terms being used synonymously because we don't see any differentiation or distinction between those th three roles when it comes to church leadership. And, and so, so we would view that in that way here at Redeemer Church when it comes to uh, this position and title. We would say that these three roles are to be viewed synonymously. And so, and we could see 
that it, it continues because now that we know what this role is, what are some of these qualifications specifically as we look to the Word of God? And this is very important because Paul actually references it in two of his letters in Titus and uh, 1 Timothy 3. And so let's go ahead and go to these passages. So uh, 1 Timothy 3 um, would read this, 1 through 7. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church, for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may be, uh, become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace. And so we could look to this very similar passage as well in Titus 1, uh, 6 through 9. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. And so we could see many parallels and similarities between uh, these two passages. And so a couple other verses that we could look at as far as this role of elder, overseer, and pastor would be Acts 20, 28, where it states, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Our passage today states, 1 Peter 5, 2, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. 1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well be considered of double, worthy double of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So all that to say, we could look at specifically the role of an elder, overseer, and pastor to be summarized in these three statements. They are to be shepherding and caring for the church. Shepherding and caring for the church. Leading and giving oversight for the church, leading and giving oversight for the church, and teaching and adhering to sound doctrine for the church. And so we can see a minor uh, differentiation that there are those pastors that labor in preaching and teaching and those that maybe give oversight to other aspects of the church and its spiritual direction. And, and so, so as far as qualifications are concerned, we would look at these items that these individuals are to be above reproach. Uh, husband of one wife, children who follow the Lord and are not insubordinate, household is in order, self-controlled and sober-minded, hospitable, able to teach, 
humble and gentle, not arrogant, violent, or quarrelsome, not a drunkard, not a lover of money or seeking the role for greedy or shameful gain, thought of well by outsiders, upright and disciplined, should not be a recent convert, and the role should be desired and not done under compulsion. And so it states that this is a role to be desired. So this is an exhausted list, is it not? But here's the thing, it should be. Why? Because what these individuals are being called to do is to look after the Lord's bride. And that should not be taken lightly. Because I think we've all been in situations or heard of situations where individuals who are leading fall into sin and take the church to a very poor place and, um, and continue to do so. And what happens that defames the name of Christ and it's hurtful to his church, it's hurtful to his bride. And so it is exhaustive for a reason. And now that we are aware of these roles and qualifications of elders and pastors, what does this mean and what does this look like for Redeemer Church? And so we're going to attempt to answer some of these questions. And so, because again, if you, if the Lord is designing you to land here at Redeemer Church, it is important that you would land on the same places because, um, you know, you could choose to hold things somewhat loosely, you could choose to hold things somewhat tight-fistedly. And, and so, we are an elder-led church. We are not a congregationally-led church. And so, besides, what would we actually vote on? Just are we going to change the color of the walls from seafoam green to a, another shade of green? Because green's the only choice here at Eagle High School, okay? So, but, um, so that's where we would land. Uh, we currently have three pastors on staff, myself, Travis Dutton, and, uh, who is the executive pastor, and then Brian Matangelo, who is our community groups pastor. And so um, from there, Travis and I will be on what is called an elder board, which we will add uh, lay or volunteer elders to serve in that role as well. And so our elder team will adhere to a biblical model. We will not have what is called a leadership team or a leadership board. It is a, a team of elders to oversee, shepherd, and to lead the church. And so, and here's the thing about elders. Elders, they shepherd. They shepherd. Let me repeat that. Elders they shepherd. That means they know their sheep. They know how to lead their sheep. They go to great lengths to make sacrifice for the sheep. And they smell like the sheep. <laughs> and what do I mean by that? That means they spend time with the sheep. Uh, it is a, a time commitment. Uh, we do not have elders in abstentia that you may see in certain churches. And that's probably okay maybe when the church is getting off the ground until you could find some qualified individuals to fulfill that role. Uh, but it, it's not something that you're leading from afar. And, and then another item is this. It, elders are not um, appointed, uh, as we see from Acts 20:28, 20, according to the Holy Spirit, according to worldly or secular uh, success. Now, that's in no way, shape, or form a detriment if a person is successful, but it's not in the, the manner and the primary way in, in which elders are um, recognized and appointed. It is a spiritual role. It is a spiritual leadership 
role. And so in addition, there will be a plurality of elders and pastors. And we always see it plural in the New Testament. There is not one elder in charge that domineers. You know, a Moses model where you would see a first among equals that everyone is just answering to one person. Even though I hold the title of lead pastor, Travis executive pastor, Brian Batangelo, community groups pastor, we are all accountable to each other and accountable to a board of individuals, a, a group of elders as well. And so when discussing um, where we're going as far as an elder team is concerned, I had an individual ask me, so does that mean that the elder team can fire you? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. So if for whatever reason that I was found to be not qualified in this role, uh, then that would, I would hope I would resign or any of us would resign before it actually came uh, to that. And so uh, the model of this untouchable figurehead that um, is unaccountable to uh, a group of individuals and, and where they're leading the church in a way such as that, uh, this is where many churches go awry. And I think we've seen it. And so... But from a terminology perspective, what do some of these mean, these things mean as far as elder, um, overseer, and pastor? And so, so there is a difference when we come to terminology as it pertains to vocational, being paid by the church, and lay or volunteer. Okay, so we would identify those individuals in this office that are vocational, they would have that title of pastor. And those that serve in that same office, that same role, but do it from a volunteer or lay perspective, they would have that term elder. So we have pastors, staff pastors, lay elders. And so this is also purposeful. Uh, We wouldn't ever want it to be a situation where there is some type of staff takeover or something along those lines. There has to be accountability in every aspect as far as how the Lord's church is to be led the bride of Christ. And so now, with that, what do we have to say or what does God's word have to say as far as this role of deacon? What is the purpose of the role of deacon? It's a little bit of a nostalgic term. And so if we look to scripture, we first find the mention of this uh, office or this role in Acts 6. And so, So here we find the apostles at a place where they're trying to figure out how to look over serving the widows of the church so they could focus on the preaching of the word and they could focus on the ministry of the word and they could focus on prayer. And so they proceeded to appoint seven deacons at that time with one of those individuals being Stephen. And we know what happened to Stephen. He was the first martyr for our faith. And let's pray and hope that that is not the case with our deacons. Just kidding. Bad joke. Uh, But what we see here, this role and title of deacon in the Greek is diakonos. Diakonos. And so we see this in Acts 6, 1 through 7, Philippians 1, 1, and 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. So this word, diakonos, there's only one word for it throughout all of Scripture. Now, unlike elder, where we see three different words being used synonymously. We only see one word here, diakonos. And so but what this role and function is for the church, it is an irreplaceable gift. It, these individuals, the deacons, they are the calvary when it comes to serving the church of God. And, and so, like I said, even though this term is somewhat nostalgic, 
this role is a healthy division of labor. It is utilizing the body. It is utilizing the gifts of the body for the good of the church. And so, so when we see this used, um, Paul writing to the elders and deacons in the church of Philippi in Philippians 1.1. We also see this list of qualifications for deacons in 1 Timothy 3.8-13. And so let's go ahead and look at that list for deacons. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to too much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So with that, we see a summation uh, of the qualifications for deacons. Uh, We see that they are to be dignified, not double-tongued, trustworthy, not addicted to too much wine, have a strong faith, tested in their role, husband of one wife, manage their children and household well. So we could see from um, verse 13 that this, there are blessings and byproducts. And that was, I never saw this when studying this topic. But uh, for a deacon, there is a good standing with others. And, and that they will have this great faith, this great confidence in their faith. And what a, what a blessing that is. And so, so again, from a defining of role perspective... Uh, we would look back and we would say we would have lay elders and staff pastors. And then so as far as deacons, directors, coordinators, uh, we would have staff coordinators and directors and then lay deacons both serving in that same role of diaconos. And so that's where we would arrive at that. And so uh, staff-wise, we have Danielle Hawes who oversees many things at our church. We also have... Um, Kelly Bueno that oversees our Redeemer kids. And then we have Ralphie Salvera that oversees our worship um, in a part-time role. And then very blessed and excited to announce uh, Stefan Lunsford to be overseeing our student ministries in a part-time role. So they are coordinators. If they are full-time, they would be directors. But this role is uh, synonymous with the role of deacon. Okay, so... So, it's a lot. You could listen to the message again, or you could email me. I'm already going to have a lot of emails in my inbox. But um, if you have any questions about any of those, or just maybe even need a little bit more thorough um, definition or interpretation. So, now, with that, many may be asking or even thinking, or even the elephant in the room per se, um, how do we view women in these two roles of elder and deacon? So, elder pastor, deacon director. Now, there is much to say on this, and we're just going to give uh, some overviews on some main points. Many trees have sacrificed themselves over this, this point, so there's, there's much to say, obviously. But, but um, running out of real estate for the day time-wise, but for the role of pastor and elder, we would look to this role to be filled by qualified men. So as we saw earlier, if this word elder... Presbuteros is used 57 times in the New Testament. How is that word used? 
Well, it's always used in masculine form. Nowhere do we see presbyteros used for this term elder. In addition, in both Titus and 1 Timothy, we see this role to be, as far as the qualifications, to be held by a husband of one wife. And also, in shepherding, leading, and teaching over the church in a Sunday morning, we could see Paul saying the words that I do not allow a woman to be in that role. This role is to be um, filled by a man teaching over the church. And so immediately after Paul says those words, it's important to see that he immediately goes into the qualifications of an elder. So he's talking about this thing being of one office. And so now what about with deacons? So we would view this role to be held by a woman or a male. And so um, because with this word diakonos, there is no masculine or feminine distinction in that word. It is neutral. And so very different than episkopos, presbyteros, and poimen. And so, so that is, um, there's no distinction as far as that word is concerned. In fact, in Romans 16.1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant, a diakonos of the church in Sankaria. And so we, we do see, and so you can make a case for a woman not to be a deacon because many would say, well, look at verse 11. Doesn't it say that they're supposed to be a husband of one wife? But as we look a little bit deeper into this, uh, this word that is used in the Greek here is, is gunaikeos. And what is gunaikeos? It is actually referring to a wife or a woman. And if we look in the original Greek, we do not see the word there. When it says their wives, likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. In fact, all we see in the original Greek is this word gunaikeos, which could be referred to either as a woman or a wife. And so, so one final thing, even though many churches use the word deaconesses, we would probably just affirm the word deacon because... I mean, we don't call around, go around calling people count and countess. No, just, but just uh, we would affirm the word just deacon for a male or female in the role of deacon versus a, a female deaconess. And, and so now this is just a quick overview of things. And uh, hopefully I, I captured the, the length and breadth of what scripture has to say on these two offices and roles. But at this time, I would like to present to you three individuals to bring before the church in these two roles. And what I say bringing before the church, that means that they're being brought before the church in this candidate role. And so, so looking forward to add more elders and deacons and staff pastors and coordinators and directors as the Holy Spirit leads according to Acts 20, 28. And so, and there are many individuals that are already serving in some of these roles of ministry oversight. And I can't tell you how thankful we are for each and every person here. It is nothing short of amazing what God is doing through his church. I'm just humbled each and every day, every Sunday, that you guys even show up on Sundays, first of all. But it has just been nothing short of amazing and awe-inspiring that you guys are all here. And I can't thank you enough. Um, it means so much to us. 
But we wanted to take things a little bit slow, not to just bring aboard a whole swath of elders and deacons, because we want, um, number one, we want the church to be familiar with what it is we're actually doing here and how we're approaching this biblically. So we had to preach and teach through it before we appointed these roles. And, and, and secondly, we do, as it says there, to be tested first. We don't just throw people into ministry roles as we know. It, it takes a time of getting to know one another. And so, so with our t- two deacons, there's going to be um, a time period of three weeks where if, um, according to Matthew 18, if there's conflict, you go to your brother or sister, and, and then there's going to be a time period of three weeks. If there's anything that you would have over these individuals, we would ask that you would either come to that individual or, or, or go to the church. And, and so... Um, and then also, uh, for that would be the case for our role of deacons. But for our role of elder, um, it's going to be a little bit longer. We're going to have a six-month um, time period where they would be referred to as an elder in training before they're actually a voting elder. And then from that perspective, they will be installed officially as an elder. So I'm always going to like whoever that individual is just talking about, you know, calling them an elder in training. I think that'll be fun. Um, but we have three individuals that we'd like to present to you uh, before the church. The first one is Martin Schwartz. And Martin has been a, a treasured um, individual in, in the life of this church since we planted, and that's his wife, Jackie. So we are um, going to be moving him into the role of elder uh, here at the church, a lay volunteer elder. And so next, as far as the role of deacon, our first um, one here is Tim Walker. And Tim has been uh, just an amazing blessing to so, so many individuals in so many different areas since we planted Redeemer Church. And uh, so he is going to be our, our setup deacon. And then next we have uh, Devin Dodge. And so you guys, if you have kids, you know Devin. And so she has been an amazing blessing. And oftentimes Devin is a physical therapist as I am. So people joke with her and say, did you just come to Redeemer? Because John's a physical therapist. And so, um, so I'm, I'm happy that we get to shoulder the weight of the musculoskeletal conditions of Redeemer Church with her. But with her, she does have her doctorate in physical therapy. So uh, that means uh, she is... <laughs> Dr. Deacon Devin Dodge. Okay, so, so there you go. So if you, you, you see a Devin, that's how you address her. So, but um, we would covet your prayers, obviously, for uh, these directions in which um, Redeemer Church is going. We also would love for you to pray uh, for these individuals, for us, and then also just be praying for who the Lord will move into these ro- roles as the church grows. And it's truly exciting to be thinking about that in uh, a room full of so many amazing individuals. So, so my apologies for not exegeting our passage today, which is a deep conviction of mine. That just means there's more for Travis next week. So, uh, but we love, love you guys. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. God, um, we want to be found faithful, Lord. Um, and sometimes it's, it can be challenging based on Uh, what we've grown up in, um, maybe how we think things should be. Uh, But Lord, uh, allow us to be found faithful to this one thing, uh, how we would interpret your holy, spoken, written word. God, we want to be able to do these things um, above reproach. And we also want to be to do these things in in a way uh, that takes care of your bride. Lord, it is uh, a weight, there is a a calling, and um, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to continue to do 
uh, through your church. So be with us. Uh, protect your church, Lord. And uh, we ask these things in your name. Amen. You guys are dismissed.